Okay. Uh, Karen, I want to thank you for uh, joining us tonight. Um, you're standing in for Kimberly, I believe, for uh, Councilmember Taplin's office. Yeah, you're muted right now. I'm muted now. Yes, I'm Great. sitting in for uh, Kimberly on, uh, on request of, of uh, Councilmember Taplin. You know, I don't have we have you and I served together on the zoning board before? I don't I don't believe we have. No, I was a city council aide many years ago, and I was a school board member for twelve years. Yeah, I'm aware of your school board uh, work. Much appreciated. Um, but uh, as, as I'm the chair uh, the, at the present time uh, for the zoning board, so uh, I just like to invite you at any point, you know, during the proceedings, if it doesn't, you know, make sense relative to your school board experience, you know, speak up. And uh, well, I was also the city clerk for Emmerville and the assistant, okay. the city then, manager. So then if I have any questions, I'll ask you. Yeah, you can ask yeah. me. <laughs> All right. It's Great. good to see you, Miss Karen. Hi, Igor. Hey, Michael. So, yeah, so the, the, the gang's all here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start the uh, meeting formally. Um, so this is the Thursday where I'd like to welcome everybody, uh, both panelists here, uh, commission members and um, uh, the public to this uh, Thursday, September 8th um, meeting of the Zoning Adjustments Board for the city of Berkeley. This meeting will be conducted exclusively through a video conference and teleconference pursuant to government code section 54953E in the state declared emergency. This meeting of the Zoning Adjustments Board will be conducted exclusively the teleconference and Zoom video conference, the COVID-19 state of emergency continues to directly impact the ability of the members to meet safely in person, presents imminent risk to the health of attendees, therefore no physical meeting location will be available. Uh, for those of you who are joining us uh, by um, PC, uh, Mac, et cetera, um, if you want to be anonymous, um, we've learned you have to leave the meeting, come back in, and you'll have an opportunity to uh, write your name as anonymous, which is acceptable. Um, if you want to speak and you're coming by a computer, um, what you need to do is roll your mouse down to the bottom of your screen, and it'll have, say, participants, share screen, raise hand. That's the one you're looking for. Click on that. At the appropriate time, you'll be invited at specific times during the hearing to speak if you're interested in uh, being heard. And when you raise your hand, then uh, we'll know to recognize you and give you that opportunity. Um, if, you're calling, if you're calling in by phone, um, you won't be able to raise your hand that way because you can't roll your mouse across the screen. You'll have to press star nine. Star nine is the uh, way to get a hand actually raised by your uh, identifiers so that we can call you in. Uh, please be mindful, everyone, that this um, teleconference uh, meeting will be recorded, um, as all ZAD meetings are, um, and that all of the rules of procedure and decorum will apply uh, for these ZAD meetings uh, conducted by teleconference, video conference, the same as uh, if we were in real bodies in the room really together. Um, 
Everybody will be as welcomed uh, to the hearing and will be given an opportunity to address the board at key moments during the uh, proceedings tonight. <clears throat> and that is the required reading. Um, very good. I think we can proceed then with roll call. Uh, Samantha. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> um, when I call your name, please indicate if you are present and if you have any ex parte. Uh, board member Trigu. Hi, uh, present. Uh, I have an ex parte to report on 742 Grayson. I received a call from Tim Frank, uh, the Alameda County Building Trades. I also uh, fielded a call from Lena Rickles on 1151 Grizzly Peak. Board member Duffy uh, has a leave of absence. Board member Hempel? Present. Uh, board member Thompson. Present, no ex parte. Uh, Vice Chair O'Keefe. Present and I have no ex parte. Chair Khan. Present, no ex parte. Board member Kim. Present, no ex parte. And board member Sanderson. Present, no ex parte. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. So uh, with that, we will move to the public comment on non-agenda items. So this is a time where uh, any members of the public are invited to uh, speak on items that are not on our calendar tonight. This would be topics of, of interest to us, but not related to any of the specific projects we're hearing tonight. And I see that Kelly uh, is here and um, you have your hand up. So speak away. Uh, thank you. I'll just make this real short. Um, it's, a, it's been really hot this week. And uh, one of the discussions we had and a comment that I made at the design review committee is that dark colors absorb more heat. And there was a disagreement that that would actually make any difference. And I haven't gone out to get like a thermometer yet that I can measure the heat. But on our hottest days, I just went around touching different surfaces of different colors. And I'll tell you, those dark brown, uh, those really dark surfaces, they are a lot hotter to touch. And we're gonna have more of these heat waves. And I just think that when you're looking at projects, all of us ought to be thinking about the impact of using really dark colors on the exterior. They really do absorb more heat. And there are, little, there are experiments that children learn how to do with white t-shirts and black t-shirts to see which one absorbs the most heat and the black t-shirt absorbs the mo most heat. So. That's my comment for tonight, and I hope it's a short meeting. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Um, let's see if there is if there are any other 
I don't see any other uh, participants who wish to speak on non-agenda items. So uh, I'd like to move things forward to the um, minutes and the consent calendar. Um, before we uh, have a motion, I'd like to know if there are any members of this commission that uh, have concerns about the three uh, consent items on the calendar that they'd like to just check in with uh, staff about. Um, I don't see anyone with their hands raised. So I'd just like to ask the same question of the, oh, someone does have their hand raised, it's me. <laughs> okay, um, that was an accident. So uh, I'd just like to ask the same question of the attendees. If uh, not seeing anyone with their hand raised. So um, that being the case, uh, could I, uh, I'd like to entertain a motion. Um, for the consent calendar, if there is anyone who'd like to make such a motion. Uh, oh, um, Kelly, your hand is up. Is that oh, an accident? Wait, Charles, did you no. attend? No. Hang on, Igor. Actually, Kelly does wish to speak on uh, one of the consent items. Yeah. I'd like to speak on 742 Grayson. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd just like to point out, I mean, we are in this city really trying to build housing and make housing convenient so that people are walking and biking to work rather than driving to work. And here we've got this big project on Grayson with 325 parking spaces next to it. And I realize that you're not gonna change anything or force them to do anything, but if we're gonna have a project like that, why are we not building housing instead of 325 parking spaces? Um, so people could just walk to work instead of drive to work. And I would just ask that um, in this, time with all of our climate challenges and housing challenges that we think about housing instead of great big giant parking lots. So Much appreciated, Kelly. That's my comment. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, I uh, appreciate the comment and sympathize with those sentiments, um, but uh, I'm not hearing anyone asking for this to be pulled from consent. So, um, I'd still like to entertain a motion for the consent calendar and the minutes. Anyone? So moved. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. And uh, Michael, I see you nodding. Are you a second? Yes, I second that. Thank you. Um, so Samantha, if you can take, we have a motion and a second. You can take the yeah. vote. Okay. So this is to um, approve the action minutes from August 11th, 2022, and to approve the use permits for 2327 Oregon Street, 2394th Street, and 742 Grayson Street. Yes. Um, board member Trigu. Trigu, uh, I vote aye. Duffy, absent. Hemphill? I, it records that I wasn't there, so. 
Thompson? Yes. O'Keefe? Yes. Chair Khan? Yes. Kim? Yes. And Sanderson? Yes. Okay, it passes unanimously. Um, so that means that the use permits for uh, 2327 Oregon, 2394th Street, and 742 Grayson are approved by this body, subject to all the rules and conditions uh, that go with that. Um, that brings us to the action calendar. And um, I just want to uh, say a word to this commission about 1151 Grizzly Peak before we get started. Um, I wasn't here for the last hearing that we had on this, but uh, my understanding is that uh, this is now the fourth hearing on what uh, was approvable as an administrative use permit that was referred, this is not even an appeal to our body, um, referred to us by staff so that we could resolve the issue, not continue it, continue it, continue it, and continue it. And I would really, I think it is, we're doing a disservice to the uh, neighbors, to the applicant and to our community by not making a decision. So I hope we can find the will to do that tonight. I know the issues are complex and it's hard to find a decision that's gonna satisfy everybody, but not, that's, that's my sincere hope that we can pull it off tonight and uh, not have three hours of discussion, which is what I understood happened last time. So um, we'll be hearing that. I just wanted to you know, make that comment because we have a responsibility to our community to make decisions about these issues. And that's why we've been appointed by the council. Um, with that, I'd like to ask the uh, um, staff to do their presentations of where the project is. I understand there has been uh, a change in the um, application but hopefully we'll make our decision a little easier. All right, I'm going to share my screen. Are you seeing the site plan? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's kind of tiny. It's tiny? Oh boy. I don't know that I can make it any bigger. Okay. We have a copy, so we can okay. read. Um, I tried to blow it up a little bit. Oh, that's good. On there as we can. Oh, it got very blurry. Okay. All right. Uh, good evening, board members. I'm Samantha Updegrave presenting on behalf of former staff. So the project before you tonight at 1151 Grizzly Peak Boulevard has been revised from the previous iteration that you've seen. The revised project was submitted on August 16th and was included in the packet distributed last week and available online. The scope of the administrative use permit or AUP has been reduced and now includes the legalization of one accessory building in the rear yard that meets all development standards. The building under your consideration was called unit two, which is 103 square feet in area used as a home office and exercise space and located in the southeast corner of the lot. The revised proposal also includes moving this building so that it's four feet from the rear lot line 
which is the line that's shared between this site and the neighboring lot at 25 Stoddard Way. As a note, the owners have also applied for a building permit to make the other accessory building into an accessory dwelling unit or an ADU. Under state law and the city's recently adopted ADU ordinance, ADUs are allowed by right and are not subject to discretionary review. So while the ADU is not under the purview of the ZAB, the location is shown on the site plan as a reference. Because the building hasn't been legally established, it must meet all the zoning development standards and building codes as if it were a new building. Um, so as Charles said, this is the fourth time this AUP has come to ZAB with the first hearing um, one year ago. The zoning officer originally referred this AUP to ZAB in September of 2021 due to opposition from the neighbor at 25 Stoddard Way. But this is not an appeal hearing because to date there has been no formal action taken on the project. Um, since we've seen it a few times, I thought it would be helpful just to sort of go back through the the history. So in the spring of 2021, the owners installed this prefabricated accessory building in their rear yard via a crane without the benefit of the applicable zoning permit approvals. After being contacted by a neighbor, city staff determined this was indeed an accessory building that required an AEP. The owners submitted their application on June 23rd of 2021. In researching the project, land use staff found that the applicants had requested information from the zoning counter email in August of 2020 regarding the installation and construction of accessory structures, each under 120 square feet in area, and were directed to review and follow the development standards for accessory buildings and structures in residential districts. However, it was not clear that the applicants were intending to install habitable structures that would meet the land use definition for accessory buildings, and the applicants were not informed that an issuance of an AUP would be required. Um, the difference between an accessory building and accessory structure in the land use code um, is that an ex accessory building is a detached building containing habitable space smaller in size than the main building on the same lot the use of which is incidental to the primary use of the lot. And an accessory structure is a detached structure other than an accessory building in which non-habitable uses or activities other than the principal use of the property are conducted. Um, so the difference there being whether it's habitable requires an AUP, non-habitable is um, allowed outright the zoning certificate. So accessory buildings, regardless of their location on a residential lot, always require an AUP. Additional AUPs to exceed height within certain setbacks, location on the lot, and maximum dimensions are also available under the zoning ordinance. However, the proposed building meets all the applicable development standards for where it's located and only needs an AUP for the building itself. Um, and although the building is less than 10 feet in height, um, and by code would be allowed zero to four feet from the lot line. The revised proposal does include shifting the building from its current location, which is two feet, seven inches from the rear lot line to four feet at the closest point. Um, and the neighbor and her attorney will speak together at the start of public comments. Um, and that concludes staff's presentation, but I'm available for questions. Um, and I will turn it over to the applicant. Uh, Matt Jacobs, who I believe is in the meeting. I will also stop sharing my screen.
Um, before we hear from the applicants, Samantha, yes. um, any oh, questions, questions uh, from this commission for staff? Uh, Debbie. Um, I have a question on the photos that were in this oversized plan, and they don't have page numbers, but it's um, there's a sheet on existing accessories buildings, and then oh, it's beyond the one that says Unit Two. There's a there's three or four pages that show two comparisons per page. Does that make sense, Samantha? Yes. Okay. Um, I understand the first one and I understand the second one. The other building was just moved four feet from the fence. I don't understand the third one. And, excuse me. Um, so the one on the right says tree coverage before site prep and installation. Through the tree, through the tree cover, a significant portion of the view is blocked by 1147 Grizzly Peak roof. But when you look at the photo on the left, I don't see it. I only see the roof of the accessory, accessory structure. Am I missing something? Um, I think I would like the um, applicants to answer that because these are photos that they submitted. Okay. Um, if that, uh, if that's possible. Um, Charles, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that'd be uh, the best idea. Do we want to have them? Do their presentation first. Yeah, let's do let, let's allow, let's give them okay. an opportunity to do their presentation. Then you can ask. I, them that's all. Questions. I had two questions, one on each of uh, two photos. So okay. I'll stay. Very good. So um, then, uh, Matt Jacobs, I believe you need to. There you go. Hi there. Hey. Hi. Um. Yeah. So, um, hi, Zab members. Um, thanks again for your time. Um, really appreciate it. Um, so since our last hearing that yeah, we've submitted our plans for a conversion of, uh, to an ADU for one of the two units we discussed in the past, um, to be clear, unit one as it previously was known is now in process with the city for an ADU permit. Um, we're here for approval of unit two as an accessory building on our property. Um, at the last hearing, we've received seven votes from the board to approve the application for unit two. As it stands, the building exceeds accessory structures and accessory building setback and height requirements. Um, as part of the approval, we would like to propose moving structure to a total of four feet from the back fence. And upon approval, we would also be seeking an electrical permit for the accessory building. Um, we hope this is to the Zab's liking. In regards to the opposition made by our neighbor, Joan Wager, um, in our last Zab hearing, Joan said she didn't have a problem with unit two. And again, the votes uh, were in favor as it stands and there weren't any adjustments proposed by the Zab on that unit in particular. Um, as you may hear tonight, we've come to understand that Joan may be asking that we move uh, this structure to four feet, six inches from the property line. And we were notified by a neighbor of her intention. 
And in uh, we made an offer to Joan. In the offer, we proposed to move unit two to the four feet, six inches from the property line. Uh, we offered also to move unit one, and this is all very recent. Um, we offered to move unit one to four feet, six inches from our shared lot line as well. What we proposed to Joan is that if she conceded to this, these adjustments and accept the original accessory building application for both buildings as we originally intended, we would be willing to remove our application for the ADU on unit one. Um, as we know, ADUs are ministerial in their approval and having one is legal on single family property in California. But we wanted to give Joan an opportunity to have an opinion on this matter because we've had communication issues in the past. Um, and so trying to work better with our neighbor. Uh, we didn't hear back from Joan, so we don't know where she stands on this request, but we wanted to make the offer known to the ZAB. Uh, since Joan hasn't accepted the offer, we discussed our options, um, and should it be determined this building has to be moved more than the four feet from the back fence line with Joan, we feel like it would be... A, a place where we need to remove our application for the building as an accessory building and just use it as storage as an accessory structure and not for its intended use. Um, again, we've, uh, we really appreciate everything Zab's doing. And um, if we had to go back and do all of this again, we would do it very differently. Um, uh, but we hope that based on the proposed adjustments that the ZAB will vote in favor of us using the successory building um, and approve our application. Thank you. Um, thanks. Uh, thanks, Matt. Uh, Debbie, I think this is your chance to ask uh, those questions. Yes. Um, first, I want to, I want you to repeat what your offer was because I couldn't with the if, if she agrees to moving unit two to four foot six inches from the property line, yeah. then you would keep the unit two and an ADU. Uh, well, what, yeah, what we proposed was, I'll, I'll just read it again, okay? Okay. It might so, be better. Um, what in the offer we proposed to move unit two to four feet six inches from the property line? Uh-huh. We also offered to move unit one, the one that is uh, under permit for eight and ADU to four feet, six inches from the property line. And what we said was, is if Joan conceded to those uh, adjustments that we would be willing if she was like opposed to an ADU in any way, shape or form or whatever, that we would be willing to remove our application for an ADU at this time. Um, so we're just I, I'm trying sorry, to... I don't quite understand that sentence. Matt, that, let, let me speak to that and Samantha, sure. correct me if I'm wrong. You, you have filed an application for an ADU with the yes, city. Sir. Correct. And we are directed tonight to disregard that application, except insofar as it affects the unit two that we are looking right. at tonight because right. we are not empowered to rule on right. an ADU in the state of California. Right. Um, we, but what is before us tonight is 
unit two. If you want to work something out with your neighbor on unit one, be my guest and okay. come back to us to hear that. We can't hear that tonight. It's just clouding the issue. Okay. Uh, Samantha, does that make sense to you? Yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah, it would be right. Uh, we can't approve unit one tonight. It's not on our agenda. Okay. Even if even even if your neighbor begged us to, <laughs> right. which I don't think is going to be the case. So, okay. so if you can work something out with her, that would be lovely. We appreciate. Right. I appreciate that you're trying to communicate with her. That you've reported that you're doing that. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, if you can reconcile this, that would be lovely. But right. we have to review two tonight on the assumption that you're moving forward with an ADU at one. Thank you. Um, didn't mean to muddy the waters. Just That's okay. To... I know you're trying to figure out a way forward, and I really appreciate that very Thank much. Um, any other questions, Debbie? I have or... my picture question. Good. Go for it. Okay. So in the part of your current app, most recent application under unit two, yeah, there's four or five uh, photo sets. Uh -huh. The first photo set makes sense to me. Okay. The second one, um, the the difference is that the building was moved from two feet nine inches to four feet, which means it looks a little smaller. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The next two I don't understand. <clears throat> Sorry. Could is there a way I could um let's see. Can you show those, Samantha? Can you share screen? Yeah, that'd be super helpful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, give me just a second to pull up um, the uh, packet from the agenda. Okay. Uh, I want to make my dinner. That's why I was asking you something. I, I think, um, yeah. Is it the last page of the document? I'm looking at it on my computer. Um, it's the last two photos before the right. four plans. I, th I think what the gist of, of that it, um, shows is that uh, there's basically, if you were looking out of um, from that particular view, which Joan had presented as being uh -huh. a problem in the past, um, there's there's a house it's two stories that um sits to the south of my house uh -huh. and and it basically i mean it, it's a two-story house and and there's our roof line there. is actually right in line with the roof line of that particular house um the roof line of this unit so really what you would see if that unit um was gone is basically uh i believe it's 1157 Grizzly Peak Boulevard. 1147. So the picture on the right was before you did site prep and removed the trees. Oh. Correct? Yeah, it's a yeah, it's an approximation. So you, what you would see on the left there is um the roof of a, of another house to that's the house to the north. Um, so you can actually you can actually see it. There's a two-story section of that house, and then there's a one-story section of that house. So the big uh, gray uh, building we see is uh, 1147 Grizzly Peak. It's not the accessory structure. 
Yeah, that's correct. Well, um, on the one on the left that we're looking at right now, the yeah. gray part, the gray part is the accessory structure. That's but if I you thought. remove the accessory structure and look through there, you would see roof line of the house okay, that is okay. just beyond it. Okay, and this is, I'm assuming, when the accessory structure is as now at two foot nine inches, um, not at four feet six inches. That particular image, I believe, is two feet. Uh, yeah. So the difference is, you know, it would be if it's moved back a little further, you'd get more tree and sky. You might see some of the roof line of this other house, but. Um, yeah, I believe that one's at four feet, not four feet, six inches, to be honest with you. And how did she take a picture of it? Because it sits at two foot nine, doesn't it? Uh, it sits at two foot seven. But what I did was, is I um, did a schematic. And if you okay. look at Samantha, if you go to the last page, please, the next page. Yeah, the next one I have a question mark here. Yeah, so the next one actually shows kind of a recreation um, of where the where uh it is at two feet seven inches where presley is and at four feet and it doesn't show four feet six inches because that was kind of new information to us so uh, i don't understand this picture the one on the left you said is the present roof line and the present location two feet yes, nine, whatever right. the one right. on the right the building has moved, been moved a couple of feet away from the property line. Correct. So why does it look bigger? It could just be the lighting on that particular picture. If you can see the lighting on the render is not exactly the same. Okay, so I think I that's think got everything to do with it. All right. One, uh, it, the shading is different. So I think okay, that's I'm going to ignore De that. Debbie, if I, can, if I can be helpful, um, if you look at the tree behind the building, yeah, you can see on the right. Oh, I you see. actually can see more of the tree, so Got it's it. actually dropping. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you. All my Thank questions. You. Thank you. Any other questions for the applicant? Okay. Uh, seeing none, um, oh, I will. Uh, chair. Oh yeah, Igor. Sorry, I missed your hand there. No worries. It blends <laughs> into the background. Um, but just for clarification, because I heard I mean, the schematic says on the right moved four feet from fence. I've also heard moved four feet six inches from the property line. Is it is that one and the same? Um, like which? Can can you clarify? Uh, well, presently I I was. Uh, doing the lot line is the shared fence between uh, Joan's house and my house. So right now we're two feet, seven inches from that. And then because she has a fence that faces her house and the four by fours that build that fence face my house. So I look at the back of her fence. So right now we're four feet uh, or right now we're two feet, seven inches away from the uh, posts that are her fence. So that's the lot line. And what we were talking about is moving this to four feet from those posts. So from the lot line. I see. So the, so the what we have, just to be clear, really clear, what we have before us tonight is a modified proposal where you're conceding a couple of feet and moving it to four feet away from her Correct. property. 
correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And and just to be a hundred percent clear, you had offered to go to as so much as four foot six if that's what she wanted, but that's yeah. a negotiation that you need to carry out with her at a later date. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Got Thanks it. so much, Matt. Any other any other questions here from this commission? Then I'd like to open it up to the um, participants. Um, I only see one hand up. I don't see Rena or uh, the neighbor's hand. So I'll go ahead and recognize um, Joe DeCredico. Uh, oh, here we go. Um, I think uh, Rena, are you going to be speaking? Um, here, I'm going to give Rena Rickles an opportunity to talk. Um, Rena, I have a question for you. Um, is your client here? You need to uh, unmute yourself. Rena, you're muted. I know. I'm unmuted now. Uh, you found my hand. My client says that she's in, and if she's li listening and she's not with me, that's the problem with these Zoom hearings. Um, don't unmute yourself and raise your hand. And I believe Bunny is there to speak too. Um, are you seeing those? I um, I'm looking. Okay. Um, we have we do have several people who wish to speak. So while you're figuring things out with uh, with your client, Rena, I'm going to go ahead and recognize a Joe and and Buddy. Sure. Um, so Joe, you're recognized, and you have three minutes to speak. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Thank you. I think I'm unmuted. Is that correct? You are. We can hear you loud and clear. All right. Well, wonderful to see you all. Um, I have four points I want to make tonight. Uh, and then uh, one uh, thing I want to say about the applicant's uh, uh, submittal that was put in. Um, regardless of whose error this was in the beginning, uh, 1151 Grizzly Peak has two currently unpermitted structures that the applicants have been able to enjoy for the past 18 plus months. While Joan Wager has had these structures imposed on her and her backyard without any consideration of her property. This could have been handled very differently at the front end, and it wasn't. The second point is here is that there's more than 41 feet between the house and the south structure or what you call structure two. Why would the applicant initially choose to push the building all the way to within two feet, seven inches of the property line, clearly for their enjoyment of their own property without regard to their neighbor? I'm not saying they shouldn't enjoy their own property. I'm saying they could have had these conversations early on and mitigated this. They didn't. So if the applicants are prepared to move the structure four feet from their, pro from their property line, I'm proposing that they move it 10 feet further south, I mean, further west, excuse me, to restore that Western view, sky view. And it's a Western sky view. It's not a view of the water. We understand that. Uh, but propose to move that structure 10 feet further to the west to restore that Western sky view for Joan. 
then the location would put that structure adjacent to the garage at 1157 and would not impact their air, light, and privacy. So moving a unit like this require, is gonna require a new foundation pad, relocating infrastructure, uh, and bringing in a crane. They wanna bring in electrical, great. Moving it closer to the house means a lower cost for that. Whether they move it six inches or six feet, the crane is still gonna have to come and move it. So there's not a cost, any cost savings there or additional cost for them to move it further. We just believe that moving it further, as you can see from his photograph, lowers that roof line and provides that sky view back for Joan again. Um, so that's it. That's all I have to say. Thanks. Thank you for uh, your opinion. Um, I'm now going to recognize Benny Quint. Benny, you need to unmute yourself. Yes, Joan and I are sharing a computer, just so you know. Oh, okay. She's on mine if you want to speak to her first. Um, I, uh, why don't you go ahead? I recognize you, and then we'll, we'll recognize Serena and Joan. Okay. I'm a friend of Joan Wagers, and since I've been her house this multiple times, I am quite familiar with the before and after of the air, space, light, and views at her home before the placement of the accessory buildings. As those of you who have visited 25 Stoddard saw that Joan's views and access to sunlight and air are limited to begin with, but the change cost is not subtle. It's pretty horrible. You notice the neighboring buildings immediately when you walk in her front door. Joan will now have so little light and view left. I am asking Zab as Joan's only source of help in this matter to vote to salvage that remaining slice of light and view by modifying building two, pull it back 10 feet. That's really win-win. No other neighbor will be impacted. Joan has some light and view restored. Applicants incur only incremental expense while they keep everything they installed. I am now at Joan's house in her kitchen where the building is blocking the sunset that was there before and the color. Thank you. Um, thank you, Bunny. Um, now uh, we would like to recognize uh, Rena and Joan, who I understand will be using Bunny's um, uh, access. Excuse me, did you want Joan to speak from Bunny's computer next or me? That's, I think, what Joan wants to do, Rena. Mm -hmm. I'll speak next. I'll, am I on? Yeah. So uh, I'll speak next, Charles, thank you. So good evening. It's been over a year and a half since my neighbors with little to no advance notice and no conversation dropped two buildings along my property line on the side of my house that had primary exposure to light, a sense of space and the Western sky. I was horrified. A thread through all these meetings despite staff recommendations to rubber stamp this project is a recognition by most of you that the buildings as they stand do represent a detriment to my property and my quality of environment. And you all have already discussed remedies for this situation and suggested moving and altering structures. These are the amendments to the applicant's request for building two which would offer me some relief. 
Number one, remove the imposing roof overhang. I don't know if it's possible to show a photo at this point, but we had a good photo of this. Mm -hmm. It was added separately by Crane and was put on by uh, a crew. It has major impact on my only remaining light and view. Number two, set the building further away from my home. Applicants are now requesting that this building be moved four or four feet, six inches from the property line. I request that they move it an additional six feet to prevent it from looming over my patio, side gardens, and blocking my sunset views and sunset space. There is sufficient room for this full move without compromising the other neighbor's kitchen, window, or privacy. I have informed her of my plan. I urge the commissioners to finally approve the suggestions already verbally agreed by you and resolve this matter. Thank you. Thank you. Raina, would you like to add anything? Yes. Um, I've been representing Joan for the last year on this project. Um, just procedurally, I, I would like to have my objection to um, item one being removed and I'll explain why and I won't discuss it now, but we would like to have that in the record should we have to appeal. Um, basically, without discussion, Joan lost her view and it's been three more hearings as the applicants been asked, could you please mitigate? Can you make changes? The only offer that came back is, well, we'll paint it. This morning at 3 a.m., I got a final offer to be responded to at noon at noon today, which was they would move both properties an additional six inches and they would withdraw their application for the ADU. Joan has no objection to an AGU or having people living next to her. Her concern was the block of her air light and view and the location. But this, what this offer suggests to me is that the reason building one was taken off of your review was not for a reason that this applicant really had any good faith intention of following. And while there may not be a legal remedy, I would hope that this would go into your consideration of looking at what can be done for what's left for Joe. Well, we've always talked about use permits and what are they, and it's not detriment. It's detriment under the entire circumstances of the case before you. The other thing that former Chair O'Keefe mentioned is in considering what you want done with the property to when it's unpermitted is to consider what you would do if it came to you originally. You wouldn't have approved this at four feet, you would have approved it further away. And we want you to take that into consideration when you make your vote. Um, so basically, um, Mitigation number one of moving building one would have done the most help, but that's off the table. There was not a vote that unit two didn't cause detriment. Joan, when she came to you, was trying to be reasonable. She said, okay, I'll give up what unit two does if you'll give me unit one. Now that one is gone, we say that it is important to salvage the very little bit of light that she has left. You have the authority to do it, under the use permit findings and guidance. And I ask that you do that tonight. 
Thank you, Raina. Um, we do have um, one more member of the public uh, to speak. I see your hands up, Igor. Uh, is this a question for the um, neighbor? It is, yeah. Um, thank you. So I, I just wanted to make sure I captured this. You're asking for both um, the structure being moved back 10 feet and a removal of the overhang. I believe it's uh, six, six feet from where it's currently shown, a total of 10 feet. Yeah, a total of 10 feet, a further right. six feet. Um, and I'm actually just trying to understand uh, if we were to hypothetically request that it be moved back, um, what impact um, would the overhang still have? I'm not clear on that point. I'll take this unless Joe, want, Joe wants to, but basically the overhang would have a lot less impact. There's no question. As the roof gets closer and closer to Joe, and it obscures more and more of her light. As it's further away, it would have less impact. And um, I don't want to say this to start with, but the, if we had to choose between the two, it would be to have the distance and have her sunlight opened up. Although this overhang was an architectural feature, doesn't serve a purpose. So I hope I'm, at, I'm answering your question. The distance would make a difference on the overhang in terms Thank of- Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for that answer. Rena, does that answer your question, Igor? Yes, thank you. Great. We do have uh, one more uh, hand that I see raised. This is the last person from the public who will be speaking on this topic tonight. If anyone else wishes to speak, hold your hand up now because I want to close out the public hearing after Tony speaks. Uh, Tony, you're recognized. Uh, thanks, Mr. Chairman. And I just wanted to make three quick points. First, I wanted to thank the board for all the effort they've put into this um, on behalf of all of us in the community and the neighbors. Um, second, um, my wife Erin and I would like to simply as, as immediate neighbors, um, register our support for Matt and Gina's application here. We believe they've um, worked very hard to try to come to accommodate um, the needs here, despite the prior comments. And and third, you know, I, I and I wouldn't normally say this, but I think I have to say it because in each of these meetings, there's been um, uh, pretty direct comments implying that Matt and Gina are operating in bad faith. And I just have to say that's extremely disappointing. Um, and I would just like to personally um, vouch both for their um, neighborliness, their general good faith, and just generally being good people. So I don't want the board to be left with some impression that they're trying to pull one pull something over on people. Um, they, they've really worked very hard on this. Anyway, thank you very much. Thank you for coming in and speaking your uh, thoughts on the matter. Tony, I know this is the, at least the second time you've been here, so I appreciate it. Okay, with that, uh, we'll close out the public hearing and bring it back to the board. Um, and uh, what I'd like to do is entertain a motion. And I'd like to discuss the motion and amend the motion if necessary. Um, if uh, there is anyone here that would like to make a motion, please proceed, because I do want to resolve this tonight. And um, Igor. Um, I would, I'm open to discussion on the motion, but I would like to um, make a motion um, that 
essentially splits the baby. Um, it would be to further move um, unit two um, back an additional six feet. So 10 feet total, six feet uh, away from what is being proposed currently by the applicant and not do anything else. So not change the overhang. Um, I see you nodding, Michael. Is that a second? Sorry, I'll stop doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I would like to second that actually. I'd like to second it too. I think it's, it's a wonderful motion. Um, uh, we've, I'd like to now consider any comments on the motion or any, or any alternate motions that uh, the commission would like to make, substitute motions, Debbie. So I'm, I'm looking at the site plan and trying very hard to figure out where to, if you move the building a total of 10 feet from the rear property line, where does it align with the building at 1157. I, I, I was curious about that too, Debbie. And I actually drew it, not that it's, it's helpful for you, but what happens is that the, basically the, the unit two without forgetting the roof overhang uh -huh. is, essentially, is essentially a 10 foot by 10 foot box. Okay. Uh, Think okay. of it as being 10 by 10. So um, the back wall of it would be, uh, Shifted six feet forward, about sixty percent of the body of the of the existing uh, drawing, and the front of it, forgetting the roof for a minute, but just the the, the contained space would be roughly equal and even with eleven fifty seven Grizzly Peak with the neighbor. My concern was that if we moved it back too far, we'd start impacting that neighbor. Yeah. That's exactly and, why I was asking the question. And, yeah. and I'm and I'm not I'm not concerned about that. Uh, I, the, we've heard testimony tonight that it will not impact that neighbor's views from their kitchen. And that's consistent with my reading uh, of how the plans uh, are laid out. So that's why I'm supporting the motion. Okay, so just so I'm clear, the part of 1157 that is um, maybe the first 20 feet uh, from the rear of that building, what is what windows are there? Yeah. Are there any windows on that wall? I think there was a mention that there was a was was some uh, kitchen window on that wall. Uh, no. If I heard the testimony correctly, I can answer it. Um, yes, Rena. Yes, uh, that's the garage. Oh, that's um, the garage. Yeah. Okay. And so the the building would stop short of the kitchen because the kitchen does have windows, and okay. it was very important that you know when we move it, we not put the building okay. in front of any window of the neighbor. It's just- Appre Appreciate it. Thank you, and I'll, okay, I'll close you. out the public hearing. All right. Thank okay, you. Uh, Debbie? No, I'm done. Um, is that you done, Debbie? Sorry? You're, that's it, you, are you- yeah. uh, okay. I'm done. Great, uh, Debbie, you had your hand up. Yes, I just had a question. I'm not sure if it would be answered by you, Chair, or the applicant, but I guess, I just want a clarifying question. So if we move it 10 feet from the property line, are we assuming that the applicant is already amenable to that six feet further push? We are not assuming that. Um, I, I'm acting uh, on Shoshana's principle, which I think is the principle we should be acting on here. That is, 
if this had come before us, not as a built object, but as a referral uh, for our review, where would we have placed the building? What would have been uh, the ideal way to reconcile all the conflicting needs of the various neighbors and the applicant? And I think this would have been uh, a compromise that I would have supported at, at that hypothetical time. It's that reason that I'm very comfortable with Igor's motion. Okay, I just wanted to clarify. Yes, there will be some expense involved, but we're saving them the expense of taking the roof off. It's, that's what Igor meant by splitting the baby. And I think that's a thoughtful way to do it. Um, I don't see any more hands up and I don't hear any uh, alternate uh, proposals. So um, I'd like to go ahead and proceed with the vote if we could, and we can get this settled and move on with our business. Um, where are you, Smith? There you are. Uh, I'm here. Okay. Um, so uh, the motion is to approve 1151 Grizzly Peak Boulevard, the AEP for 1151 Grizzly Peak Boulevard um, with a modification requiring that um, the building be moved 10 feet from the rear property line. Uh, they did not be moved, well, that it be ten, a net 10 feet from the rear property line, an additional six feet. I would say an additional six feet from where it's currently located in the drawings. I think so, that's the clearest language. Okay, so, but, so the, the current drawing shows it at four feet. Right. Okay, so, okay, I see what you're saying because the lot line is not parallel. That's right. Can I make a suggestion? Yes, <clears throat> We have numerous drawings with this building at different locations. So it's, and so I, and it's, um, <clears throat> I would suggest we give the final di uh, dimension as measured from the property line to the, um, to the front of that building. I'm, I'm a little worried about going back through plans and saying, well, that was four feet six and that was two point two feet nine. You know, let, me, let me, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, I'm, I'll offer an architectural uh, sure, yeah. there we way go. to do this. So the, the unit is clearly shown as three feet four inches from the east property line. And no one's proposing changing that dimension. So what we're proposing is that that eastern wall of the building, the back corner, the northern corner, northeast corner of the building. But the northeast corner of the building be three feet, four inches from the eastern, uh, yeah. the eastern property line and be 10 feet from the rear property line. Perfect. That's called a datum. That's actually how you have a, have a, uh, someone set the building. Um, does that make sense, Samantha? Yes. So um, the motion is to approve 1151 Grizzly Peak Boulevard with the building located uh, three feet, four inches from the eastern property line and 10 feet from the rear property line. Very good. Perfect. Okay. Um, with no additional changes. With no additional changes. Oh. 
All right. Well, for some reason, the voting order is different than it was on the last one. So sorry to mix it Whatever up. Whatever works for us. <laughs> I try to keep it the same for the whole one, but I think you forgot to update it. Um, okay. So uh, Vice Chair O'Keefe. <laughs> well, I'm first. Um, yes, that's fine. Uh, Board Member Sanderson? Yes. Kim? Yes. Chair Khan? Yes. Uh, Hemphill? Yes. Thompson? Yes. Duffy is out. And Trigu? Trigu votes yes. Trigu, was I saying your name wrong? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to work on that. So I'm so okay. sorry. <laughs> okay. It's all good. Okay, thank you so much. I, I think the, that was uh, well done, folks. I appreciate it. Um, so the, uh, Matt, your, um, your use permit is approved uh, for the, uh, the accessory structure with the modification that we uh, provided. Um, now I'd like to uh, move to our final item for tonight's agenda which is 2136 San Pablo Avenue. And who will be presenting? Oh, actually, yeah, who's who on staff is presenting this, Samantha? Sharon. Oh, Sharon, great. I don't see her. She's here, we're getting her moved over. There is a delay, so she's coming up. Hi, good evening, board members. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Sharon Gong, the staff planner for this project, 2136 San Pablo. Um, I want to begin by pointing out a few typos that we've discovered in the staff report. Um, on page 2 and 13, where um, there are references to the ER public, EIR public scoping period, the period ends Monday, September 19th, and not September 16th, which is a Friday. Um, so there's that. Uh, the NOP, the notice of preparation that went out to the public has the correct date on it. So that shouldn't be a problem in terms of um, noticing publicly. Uh, on page 13, uh, in the community discussion section, the DRC preview meeting occurred on May 20th, 2021, not 2020. So that hopefully will make a little bit more sense. On page 15, uh, the second paragraph, uh, where it mentions the number of public meetings that uh, this project has had, this will be the second public meeting and not the first out of five possible public meetings. So with that, I'm going to uh, share my screen. Oops, hold on one second. I can do this. Uh, where's my share screen? Here it is. Okay, so. 
Tonight's meeting is a project preview and EIR scoping session for use permit CP 2021-0046 for um, 2136 San Pablo Avenue, the mixed-use building, mixed-use project. I'll give a brief introduction to the project and then urban planning partners will follow with an overview of the sequel review process for the project. So this um, project proposes to demolish an existing non-residential building and construct a 123-unit, six-story mixed-use building with three live-work units and ground floor parking garage with 50 spaces. The project site is located on the west side of San Pablo uh, between Addison Street and Alston Way in the CW West Berkeley Commercial District. The site's north is a four-story mixed-use senior residential care facility with 96 units and commercial space that is under construction. To the east is an auto repair shop. To the south is a liquor store. And to the west is the R1A limited to family, family residential district and directly east, uh, directly west is the George Forest Park and then further out, further beyond are two and three story residential dwellings. The project requests reuse permits for the demolition of the existing 9,000 square foot one story building on the project site and construct a six story mixed use building with the following main components. 126 units, including the three live work units, six lofts, 36 studios, 76 one bedroom and five two bedroom dwelling units for a total of 128 bedrooms in the building. The project has 10 very low income units, has 6,319 square feet of usable open space in private patios, a second floor podium courtyard and fourth and sixth floor roof decks has a parking garage with 50 auto parking spaces and a 64 space bike room. The project qualifies for a state density bonus by providing 10 very low income units for a 32.5% bonus that would add 31 bonus units to the 95 unit base project for the total of 126 units. Under density bonus provisions, the project requests is concession to reduce the residential parking requirement to eliminate the cost of providing more parking lifts, as well as a density bonus parking reduction for sites near major transit. It also requests waivers for FAR and height limits. The project is eligible for approval according to the State Housing Accountability Act or HAA pursuant to HAA, because the project is compliant with all objective general plan and zoning standards, it cannot be denied nor approved at a reduced density unless findings can be made that the project would cause specific adverse impact that cannot be feasibly mitigated. The project, project is also eligible for Senate Bill 330 streamlined review. And this meeting is the second out of five public meetings that the city can hold for the review and discussion of the project. The project submitted an SB 330 preliminary application on September 2020, in September 2020. The preliminary application serves to vest for the project the policies, standards, and fees that are in effect at the time that it is deemed complete. 
A complete preliminary application ensures <laughs> any changes to policy standards and fees that occur during yeah. the term of the application review are not applicable to the project. So for this project, the preliminary application has a notable effect. The site was not a, histor a, a local historical resource, that is a city landmark, at the time that the preliminary application was deemed complete in September, 2020. This determination must remain for the pendency of the project. In October of 2020, landmarks, the Landmarks Preservation Commission held a hearing for the demolition referral for the project and also uh, for consideration of a landmark initiation application for the project site. The LPC designated the site a city landmark at that hearing. Now, because the SP 330 preliminary application vested the site's local landmark status as not a city landmark for the pendency of the project, the LPC and the city cannot deny or impose conditions on the project based on historic resource protections. However, the city's obligation to assess the project's impact on cultural resources under CEQA is not affected by this determination. Staff has determined that an initial study and an EIR focused on cultural resources should be prepared for the project. The request for ZAB's input on the scope of the AIR, EIR is the second purpose of tonight's meeting. And with that, I will hand it over to Allison Lency of the Urban Planning Partners to talk about the CEQA review process and EIR scoping. Thank you, Sharon. And good evening, board members. Uh, my name is Allison Lency from Urban Planning Partners. And as Sharon mentioned, I will be giving a quick overview of the CEQA process for this project. Um, as a reminder, the purpose of tonight's scoping session is for the ZAB to provide comments on the scope of the EIR, including comments on the findings of the initial study and whether areas other than cultural resources warrant additional analysis. So I'll go ahead and share my screen. Can you all see that? Yep, okay. Uh, so to start us off, um, I'll provide a brief overview of the project CEQA review to date and just highlight uh, where we're at to date. So at the time the city deemed the use permit application complete, the city hired urban planning partners to prepare an initial study environmental checklist to determine the necessary level of environmental review. On August 16th, 2022, the city filed a notice of preparation of an EIR with the State Clearinghouse and the Alameda County Clerk. As described in the notice of, notice of preparation, an initial study has been completed for this project. So we are uh, now in the 30-day public review period, which ends on September 19th, 2022. And after that 30-day review period ends, we will review the comments that we receive tonight, um, as well as any others received during the 30-day review period, and then refine our scope if needed. And then we'll go ahead and proceed with preparing the draft-focused EIR. So based on the analysis and conclusions contained in the initial study, all environmental topics, aside from cultural resources, were found to have no impact a less than significant impact or less than significant impact with mitigation incorporated. So as you can see in this table here, uh, we break down those environmental topics um, and hydrology and water quality uh, would potentially require mitigation to reduce impacts to a less than significant level. However, these mitigation measures um, are fairly typical for a project of this scale in the city. And we discussed those in the initial study.
So as Sharon mentioned, um, it is anticipated that the proposed project may result in potentially significant environmental effects to a cultural resources resource, as the project would involve demolition of the subject building, which is eligible for listing on the California Register of Historic Resources and a City of Berkeley landmark. Impacts to historic resources will be analyzed in the draft EIR. So just want to highlight a few um, of our next steps. I won't go into all of these again since we just talked about the overview, um, but as a reminder, we are in the 30-day review comment period for the EIR scope. The comment period ends on Monday, September 19th, and comments must be received on or before that date. And tonight we are here to receive comments from board members as well as members of the public regarding findings of the initial study and the scope of the EIR. And if there's any procedural questions or comments, both Sharon and I are available to answer them. Um, but we are here to listen to your comments so that we can consider them as we move forward and prepare the draft uh, EIR. So that concludes my presentation for tonight. Uh, thank you all for your time. And I will now go ahead and turn it over to the applicant team. Actually, before you do, um, Allison, yep. uh, good to see you again. <laughs> good to see you too, Charles. Um, I'd like to just ask the commission here if you have any questions uh, for uh, Allison um, at this time or, or for uh, Sharon. Uh, Doey, I see your hands up. Thank you, Chair. And thank you, staff, for the presentation. I just had a question in regards to the process around uh, determining cultural resource and impact. Has there been uh, tribal groups that have reached out already to staff in discussion with this? And if so, uh, which, which tribal groups have? And if not, have you, have has staff decided who to reach out to in terms of discussing this further? Thanks for that question, Dohi. Uh, Sharon, do you wanna take that or would you like me to respond? The city has been leading tribal consultation, so I want to defer to Sharon if. Sure, yeah. Um, so we did hear back from um, one of the tribes. Um, the. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to get the, the exact name of the, the tribe that responded. Um, it, Allison, if you have it handy, let me know. But Karina, Gould, I believe, yeah, I believe it's the Loni villages of Lashon. Um, village of Lashon, yeah. So Karina Gould did reach out and had some questions about the um, the site uh, and asked for a ground penetrating radar uh, study to be performed on the site to identify any artifacts that might be underground. Uh, that study was conducted and came back with no results. And we shared that with Karina. And at that point, she uh, responded that she didn't have any further questions or comments and concluded the consultation. Thank you. Thanks for the question, Doe. Does that answer your question? Yes, thank you so much. Very good. Thank you, Sharon. Um, I don't see any other questions from the commission right now, Allison, but I have one. Okay. Um, yeah, can you go back through your slides? I was uh, intrigued sure. by one of them. Uh, let's see. Okay. This was my first one. Right, yeah. keep going. Keep going. Right. 
So I'm curious about, uh, I assume that the major reason that uh, there has been a determination for need, need for an EIR, a limited scope EIR, mm -hmm. is, is that the project proposes to demolish a historic resource as defined uh, by the Secretary of the Interior Standards. Um, my question, this is a, a somewhat academic question, but one that I, I've always wondered about, what constitutes demolition? I believe the city has a definition in the municipal code that defines demolition. Um, and then the landmarks, If I, correct me if I'm wrong, Sharon, but I, I believe the landmarks preservation ordinance references and cites that section specifically okay. as, as demolition. Right, well, I believe it's 50% or more of the... I, I can, yeah, okay. I can jump in. It's the, <laughs> okay. the definition. Are... Go ahead, yeah. Sharon, yeah. So the definition um, in the municipal code is 50% or more of the roof and 50% or more of the walls. Okay. Right, thank you. Yeah, that's consistent with a uh, building code definition. So we have one place where the actual... <laughs> where they actually align. codes seem to align. That's wonderful. Okay, thanks. Just wanted clarification on that. I was curious about that. Great, um, thanks, Charles. Yeah. Uh, now we would like to welcome the applicant to do their presentation. Yes, and I'll stop sharing my screen. Hi, can you promote? Oh, yeah, Justin, go ahead. Good evening, board members. Justin Zucker from Ruben Junius and Rose on behalf of the project sponsor. We're very excited to bring this much needed housing to Berkeley with 10 units affordable to very low income households. That's at 30 to 50% AMI and deeply affordable. We've worked with a great local architect, Trackenberg Architects, who have deep experience and sensitivity to Berkeley's fabric. We believe the project is going to be a nice addition to the San Pablo corridor and are happy to present it to you tonight in advance towards project approval. And I'm now turning it over to Eric from Trackenberg to present the design. We are also available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. Um, give me a second to share my screen, and we'll get we'll jump right into it. Uh, it says I can't screen share while you're still sharing, Allison. Yeah, it's not letting me unshare. Um, sorry, one second. Okay, thank you. Okay, Appreciate cool. that. Mm -hmm. Okay, give me a second here. All right, good evening zoning board members. My name is Eric Tam of Trackenberg Architects and with me on tonight's call is David Trackenberg and the project team. I'll present, I will be presenting our project at 2136 San Pablo on behalf of the project team. So a brief overview of our project. It's situated on San Pablo in between two mid-rise projects, 2100 San Pablo, which has been completed um, recently and 2198 San Pablo, which has been approved for its use permit. 2198 San Pablo, also has the same project team as this project. The site is owned by Allrise and the project was designed by Trackbird Architects. Um, some basic information about this project, it will include 123 dwelling units and three live work units, totaling 126 units on site. Um, includes 10 very low income units and will contribute to the Ber Berkeley's Affordable Housing Trust Fund. Um, it utilizes a 32.5% density, density bonus rather than the maximum 35% that was allowed at the time of submission. Um, this was before the state law changed to allow for 50%. And it'll provide 
50 cars, parking for 50 cars on site using uh, parking stackers and 64 bicycle spaces in a secure bike room. The project also provides um, 6,319 square feet of outdoor open space where only 5,040 square feet is required and will total six stories um, uh, and be 69 foot, six inches tall, uh, where 70 foot is allowed via the state density bonus. So once again, our site is located along San Pablo. Here's an aerial view of it uh, prior to the completion of 2100 San Pablo and a view of our project site as it currently exists. Here are several shots of the context from street looking south and north along San Pablo. Oh, no, oh. Yes, North Long San Pablo, and here's Cowper looking west. And our project is in line with new patterns of development along San Pablo, uh, which also brings the new shadows as shown in light gray here in these studies. We've taken great care to mitigate the shadows with careful massing, which will be more apparent in our sections to follow in the next slide. Here, you can see we gradually step our building back from the Western property line um, to mitigate shadows and carve out space in the center uh, for a courtyard that'll soften the massing along the park. And we'll show, we'll walk through it step-by-step uh, step in plan. Um, here is the site plan showing our site relative to the adjacent project at 2198 San Paulo and the park. And in the large ground floor plan, uh, where you can see the street, the three live work units fronting the street and a large double high uh, lobby that'll um, connect the street to a rear community area for residents, uh, greatly enlivening the streetscape. The re rear units are set back 13 foot four inches and um, this project also features a mezzanine level where a gym and storage will be located. Moving up, we have level two, which will have the large podium courtyard and really opens up the building massing. Starting at level four, the massing begins to open up even further as the corner units um, along the western side are replaced with roof decks. And then at level five, the row of units closest to the park are eliminated, increasing the total setback to 45 foot two inches. And at level six, another gang of units is eliminated to increase the total setback to 60 foot three foot eight inches. So this project features significant amounts of open space and landscaping at every level to soften the building and provide ample outdoor space for the residents. Between all the patios and roof decks, the project provides uh, 6,319 square feet of open space, which uh, exceeds what's required by zoning. Here we have a sheet showing how our project will be carefully detailed to provide depth and shadow play. Of, this will be of interest to our members who are on DRC. And our project features a rich palette of colors and high quality materials, such as standing seam metal siding and integral color stucco. Here are elevations of our proposed building, further showing the step backs and our building in the context of the streetscape. Uh, here's further uh, images of our building set in the streetscape, uh, photo montaged into um, existing photos. We also show image of, images of 2198 and 2100 San Pablo. Um, here's a view from the park doing the same thing. And here are additional shots along San Pablo looking northwest and southwest and Calper looking southwest. Thank you for your time, everyone. Uh, we're open to any questions and comments you may have about our project. Thank you, Eric. 
Um, I see that Joey has her hand up. Thank you, Chair. Uh, sorry, I have kind of a lot of questions, or just three questions. Uh, my first question was around the parking spaces, the 50 parking spaces. I was wondering if there were electric car charging stations as well. Yeah, there will be. Um, so 20% of them will have um, raceways installed and then uh, the other remaining 80%, 20% will be EV ready and then the other 80% will have um, raceways installed. Thank you. And my second question is based is uh, around the landscaping. Uh, will you be using native plants? Uh, yeah, unfortunately our landscape architect um, isn't on the call tonight, but we do try to use native plant species as much as possible, um, you know, to help promote uh, na native uh, insect populations, butterflies, et cetera. And then my third question was around the mixed use nature of the building. Um, in the document, it says two thirds will be residential use. I was wondering if the applicant team and any community discussions around the one third the rest of the use of the space? Like, will it be businesses that support the community? Are there any other community benefits associated with the denser building? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Sharon, but I, I believe that, that that might be um, referring to the live work units where 66% um, um, is required to be working space. Um, and then um, there's, it's, 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 a little funky last time we saw it there's a conflict between live work um, as it's defined in the building code versus how it's defined in um, the uh, zoning code so the city of berkeley zoning code requires a minimum amount of for live work units to be um, to be living space and then a certain percentage to be um, workspace and then this conflicts with the building code definition and so our our interpretation is that there's a flex space within the ground floor units that um, you know switches from daytime as a working working space to a residential space at night. That's covered. I see. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dewey. Um, Karen. Okay, I have a few questions. I'll try to make it short. I will uh, piggyback on the commercial space to begin with. Um, in looking up and down San Pablo Avenue, there's a lot of vacancies, first floor commercial vacancies at this point. And I'm a little concerned about adding more and less the flex spaces that could be converted into something else. So that's my first question. So our, we, this is something that our clients um, as, and we understand, you know, uh, given the changing nature of retail in the city and at large, um, so these are intended to be live work units, which will provide housing and be, um, you know, spaces ideally for people who have in-home businesses or makers as you, it's a little small here, but in the three live work units at the ground floor, there's that large room that fronts the, um, the street. And that is intended to be a flex, the flex space that we discussed um, to allow for people to have an in-house in office space um, that could you know, open up to the public. And we do have this nice design um, that we carried from 2198 San Pablo over to this, this, um, this project as well that features window boxes um, at the front that'll allow, um, here, let me go. It's further in our deck right here. 
Um, let me share my screen again. I don't think that's San Pablo Avenue. <laughs> San Pablo Avenue is looking much more lush nowadays yes. um, since COVID. So this was an element that was present on our project at 2198 San Pablo that was very successful and we're replicating in this project as well. We have our live work units and they feature these window boxes that are very bold with distinct coloring, helps identify each um, live work unit as an individual space. And our thoughts were that these would function as um, a space that's activated during the day. Um, residents can peel back the curtains um, at the rear of these display boxes and open up their units to the public. But at night, um, when it, people want more privacy um, and want to want um, you know to have more enclosed sense of space, they can peel back the curtain or they can close the curtains and still have an active street presence with these window boxes. So they're not, it's not purely commercial then on the ground floor, because that's my misunderstanding then. Yes, it's a mixed-use space. It's a live-work unit. Um, other question I had is metal siding, siding. I have already seen like metal siding that's rusting, both in Emeryville and in Berkeley. So I'm not a particular fan of that. Um, I've seen them all rust within a few years and it looks not very good. So I don't know if there's a way that you can treat the metal so it doesn't rust or I don't know how others feel, but not use metal. Uh, so we do, our sanding, our, our uh, siding is going to be you know, galvanized. We do um, take great measures to ensure that we source high quality materials that'll uh, last for a long time and um, yeah, it's, the, the, building, the building owners will also maintain them to make sure that it stays in a good quality, a good standing. Okay. Um, the other question I had is going to the back of the, if you could show that picture, these three questions are all revolve around the back of the building where it opens, I guess, to the open space. Could you go back to that drawing, please? Sure. Back where it opens, the oh. open space. Which, do you remember which slide? Was it the photo match or? The... It was green. It was like a big square of green. Okay, this one? Or? Yeah, I think that, I think that works. So one question I had is the permeability. I mean, how do those units access that green space? And is there any permeability where members of the public could get through the open space into the yard into where the oh, you're uh, talking about the community. You're talking about the community space back here. Yes, on the ground floor. Is it open to the public? I guess is number one. Um, no, so the rear the rear patio is for uh, the building residents only, um, unfortunately. Um, but we do provide you know um, front uh, street facing activity with the live work units and a lobby that'll be vibrant with activity. So that green lawn you're saying there's, it's not, it's, it's enclosed as only for use for the unit uh, residents. Correct. Okay, that helps. Then there's, it seems that there's two private houses. Uh, there's a, a. Um, Wait, oh, sorry. The, the image that you saw, the, the big green space yeah. was, the, was from the park, that was the park. So, um, Right here, that what you're seeing, what I was referring to that's private is 
this community space in the corner, this L, this L-shaped wedge. Um, the park is beyond to the left and isn't really shown in this drawing. Okay, Eric, can you show us the photo? That, uh, go yeah. back to that photo. So this is a photo match from the from the park. Yeah. Uh, okay, so public playground. space. This is public That's space. Public. This is George Florence Park. Okay, so there is no permeability between the park and where the units are. No, so there yeah. is there isn't direct access. There's a great there's a fairly significant grade change um, between the the finished floor um, and the park. Because that's a safety issue to me. Yeah, so we'll be maintaining a fence and there won't be direct access between the park and those rear facing units. Okay, the last question I, oh, the last question I had, it seemed that there, well, two. One, that there seemed there were two private houses nearby. Two private, could you elaborate a little further? I have to uh, see one of the overviews. Let me of see this. the, let me go back to the, are you, oh, are you talking about yes. the, um like there's right a little here. gray the gray square yes yes so that gray square that's right adjacent to the site what is that so these are these are the outlines of existing buildings um fronting 10th street and um alston and so what is that one that's right adjacent what's the building right adjacent yeah that one this one um let's see if we can off the top of my head so that is a it's, I can't tell if that's a garage or that's a building. There aren't any windows that okay. are impacted by, by our shadows there. Okay. Based that on was our my, diagrams. I wanted to get a better understanding of uh, the ability to have any Eastern sun. Unfortunately, it's a little hard to tell from our aerial views, but when we conducted our shadow studies, we didn't find that, um, our new proposed building would have any impacts on, on this, this building in particular that's immediately adjacent. And that's a commercial or a residential building? This is, this is residential right there. So that's the, what I two, the two buildings with solar panels are um, multifamily, I believe duplexes. Yeah, um, that's what I thought. So this, the height of the building, how, I mean, just how deeply does that affect their ability to get Eastern sun? So we can look at our shadow studies again. Mm -hmm. um, and so in, on December 21st in the morning, um, you'll see that we have very minimal impact on this building um, two hours after sunrise. And then over the course of the day, the shadows move. Um, as the sun moves west, the shadows move east. And then in the morning on, in June, we will have a larger impact, but over the course of the day, um, it significantly lessens and the same, the same condition occurs where the shadows move towards San Pablo instead. Okay. Okay. I'm done. Thanks, Karen. And thank you, Eric. <clears throat> We're going to uh, go to... Um, Samantha, do we go to public hearing now? I believe so. Uh, yes. Yeah, with the with these EIR referrals, it's a little different than a standard uh, application. So I'm going to open it up to uh, attendees. I see that uh, Kelly would like to speak, and Adam, 
Um, I'd like to get a sense of everybody who wishes to speak from the public before recognizing anybody. Oh, very good, thank you. There is someone identified now as a Cowper Street, Cowper Street resident who wishes to talk. Is there anyone else who would like to speak? You should, okay. Raise your hand now if you would like to. Okay, great. We have three people identified who'd like to speak. Uh, so uh, you'll get your full three minutes. And Kelly, you're top of the list. Okay, <clears throat> thank you. So in follow-up uh, to Dohee Kim's question about native plants, I went through the list and I found only eight out of 31 of the plants that are listed with this project are native plants. So it really is a, a vast majority of, of non-native. Um, so I would hope that um, this project would, uh, would really work much harder to have native plantings. And you're right next to that cute little park uh, that does have a native plant garden in it. And so um, using native plants uh, for, you, for this project would be an extension of that park. And I think it would contribute a lot. So I would really ask for that. Um, the other thing is that, you know, we always worry about um, birds. And since we are, we are next to a park here, uh, I would ask, are you using bird safe glass to uh, decrease bird deaths. Uh, the other thing in follow-up to a comment by Dohi Kim, and you said you were doing 20% um, EV ready. Um, California is already signed into law. Am I just imagining things? By 2035, we're only going to allow selling of EV um, vehicles. That's only 13 years away. And um, this building's gonna be with us for a long time, I would expect. Uh, so I would think that um, you really should be going, even though 20%, you know, very nice. I would ask, you know, that you consider going higher than that so that we are um, actually ready for the future. Uh, so those are my comments, bird safe glass, native plants, more EV uh, vehicle ready spaces. Thank you, Kelly. And, um, yeah, and then um, I ask you, since we are experiencing heat waves and heat dome, and this is only gonna get worse that you reconsider your colors, um, I just, you know, I kind of wish that everything didn't have to be dark gray, that um, maybe we could have some happier colors in our building um, for the future and put this gray past behind us. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kelly. Um, Adam? Hi, my name is Adam White. I'm actually the property owner of the property that's being uh, the buffers up against this proposed project at 2125 uh, 10th Street. Uh, my wife and I actually do reside in that back area. So, um, you know, it's not just a garage. 
Um, my question is about the actual project that already that was approved for 2198 San Pablo. And is there a way to actually, I mean, we've been waiting four years for that to actually, it got approved about four years ago and it has just sat there. And so my question is that, is there any way to consider that that should be actually, you know, started and, and see how it impacts on the neighborhood. We've been waiting around for four years. I, I mean, I knew it was gonna happen and I was okay with it. And, and the design, the plan, you guys did a really good job. You got rid of a lot of parking spots, which actually now maybe you should probably put them back in because we're all gonna be electric soon, right? Anyway, so so that's my consideration is like, can't, what happened to that project that we've been waiting around for four years for to start up? Can't that be started and see how it impacts before starting on a whole nother thing? And also, if this other project's going along here, is there suddenly going to be an attempt to try to do both projects at the same time, which would be, uh, you know, an, an incredible, you know, a strain, a disruption on, on that. I'm going to cede my, the rest of my time to my wife, who is co-owner with me as well. Yeah, hi, uh, this is Maureen Clearfield. Uh, we've been residents here for about four years, but we lived a half a block down for about uh, 18 or 19 years. So we are community members, We're part of a, a neighborhood um, gathering and safety, um, safety, safety committee. We, we do have a barometer about how the neighbors feel. Um, we were very excited about uh, George Florence playground being uh, renovated. Um, uh, it's been fantastically successful with all you know, young families coming in and people really utilizing full space. Um, at this point, I feel that we've been fighting uh, the overflow traffic and um, Terry Toplin has been fantastic about um, helping, trying to get speed bumps or uh, something to help with the overflow traffic from San Pablo that already exists. And then we have parking issues because we have no permits and people are coming from other areas of Berkeley or wherever, and also working and the schools that exist. So there's safety factors and there's also um, already congest congested areas. So we cannot absorb a couple hundred more people in an already congested area. Now that we have a huge structure on the corner, it's called Elegance Berkeley. I'm a social worker. I advocate for people with uh, Alzheimer and dementia issues, but we need to, realize that there's going to be families coming and going, even if the residents are not going to be coming out that much. And then you have the corner, going to be like 90 units. There's way too much congestion for our community, our quiet community. If you could, if you could wrap it up, please. Yeah. Actually, Chair, um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, this is two people on one time, so well, I think they should be given a Make a damn time. good point, and you can have three minutes. Okay, wow, well, okay. So on the corner is Elegance Berkeley, which I have already been disrupted uh, with my sleep because of the power um, fans going on, which are located at the back. Um, I don't know how many feet, but I'm sure it's a legal amount, but it goes right onto this uh, small apartment building. It, it, you know, the committee just seems out of touch with, yes, we want housing. Yes, we want people to be housed. But this is a market value project with just, I think you said 10, 10 low income housing uh, units. It, it, six floors is astronomical. We had to fight for all the projects to be lower. And we, we got the parking spaces lessened on the, for the corner project. 
but we're fighting every inch of the way. And I'll be quite frankly, frank with you, most of our neighbors are burnt out already. They're, they're tired of fighting because no one talks about the community that's butt up against this project. I mean, you're, you're saturating a whole block. So I'm not quite sure there's only so one person there's, and this, there's only one person on, that just spoke that was even concerned about the family houses that are next to us. So uh, yes, I'm very passionate about this because we've also been fighting about the traffic um, with, we have Rosa Park, we have the daycare down off of university and we have the overflow traffic where people are not stopping at the stop signs. Then we went, then we fought with the landmark building, um, trying to fight that and to keep the structures low. Why would it have to be six floors up? Do you know the four floors with the, the dementia unit? That, that is huge and it overpowers the area of the smaller buildings. If we don't have to have all these apartment buildings located along the San Pablo corridor, just because people think that it will attract new, um, new residents that are closer to getting into the city. We don't need that. We have to plan and design. And I, I'm just sorry, I don't feel like people are really hearing us and I'm very passionate about this. Please consider these issues. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for those comments. Um, then um, there's uh, someone identified as a Cowper Street resident uh, and you're recognized. Hi, thank you. Um, for some of the items, I definitely would uh, just reiterate what people have already said. Um, on one, I, I don't know whether any of the comments we've submitted previously have been heard by anyone. They haven't been acknowledged. Um, one thing I will say that happened is the addition of those planters um, on the bottom floor, assuming that the mix of plants can be addressed. Um, that's, that's great. That's one of the things we wanted to talk about. Well, what do you do? Um, Cowper Street. So are you guys hearing me okay? Uh, yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, so from Cowper Street, the building at 2100 San Pablo that was just completed, their garage doors are basically at the end of our street and the proposed garage doors for this uh, project are also basically at the end of our street. So one thing we suggested or asked about is if it could be moved to the other side of the building so that not every single car going in and out of both of those buildings um, you know, is in relationship to Cowper Street. So that's one item that we wanted to bring up. Um, and then another one is, I'm not quite sure how the studies are done or when they're done, but saying that there's no impact from noise. I, I will just re reiterate what the last person said. I think we've been told it's testing of the backup HVAC systems, but there's loud noise coming from 2100 San Paolo Street. And I have to believe whatever regulations require testing of various systems it's going to be multiplied for this building and then 2198. Um, so that is a consideration. And also I will say that um, we are definitely getting echo sounds off of sounds we know are coming from the east side of San Pablo, are bouncing off of the 2100 building and causing echo sounds. So that's increasing the noise in our neighborhood as well. And um, 
with this building and with the 2198 building, basically that entire stretch of San Pablo is going to be just one monolithic face. It's going to be between 50 and 70 feet tall for the entire length of a city block with very little articulation. So one thing we asked about is, you know, can there be some, you know, articulation? Can there be something about the design of the building that mimics, you know, the historic buildings that are being torn down? Um, something that will, you know, mitigate both the scale and the noise on the San Pablo side. I understand it, it sounds like they've done a lot to address that on the 10th street side of the building or the west side of the building, but um, despite San Pablo seeming like it's, you know, no residents will be impacted, definitely the folks on Cowper Street will all be impacted by that. And, Thank you very much uh, yeah. for coming tonight and uh, voicing uh, those concerns, very helpful. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna uh, close out the uh, public uh, testimony now and bring it back to this commission. I'd like to remind my fellow commissioners that uh, we're not taking a vote tonight um, on this project. This was an introductory uh, review, but if there's anything that you would like to see uh, when it comes back for our consideration, this is your big opportunity. That's number one. Number two, we have Allison here who has asked us for input on any elements of the EIR that, that we would like to have addressed. The EIR scope uh, as defined by um, the planning department is limited to the cultural resource, which in this case is the uh, building, that the one-story building that currently exists, um, which my understanding is while it has been landmarked, uh, it, uh, its landmark status because of SB 330, State uh, Senate Bill 330, that does not protect it from demolition, but it still uh, must be reviewed under CEQA if it is being proposed for demolition as a cultural resource. And so uh, that's where we should focus any comments, I believe, that we would have you know, for Allison. Um, and uh, I would like to kind of open by making some, uh, my best attempt to address uh, the two neighbors who spoke with their concerns about the scale of the project and the traffic impacts and uh, some of the other concerns that come with that. Um, I, I wanna say we're not heartless uh, people here. We're all citizens here in Berkeley like you who are trying to uh, do our part to help out. We're not paid to come, you know, and sit on these these hearings, but we're trying to help make our city a better city by listening uh, and making adjustments to plans when we can. Um, where we're at right now is that the state has severely limited our capacity to make uh, substantive adjustments. So it isn't because we're heartless and uncaring that we're uh, allowing this to be a six-story building. We cannot, by state law, by statute, um, reduce it below what the city uh, allows uh, based on its zoning code that was passed years ago by the Planning Commission, duly appointed by our elected council. So that's, that's where we're at. I do want to give you some consolation that a lot of architects would just build a box here. 
and there wouldn't be a lot we could do about that. Uh, this architect is stepping the building down. So it's not six stories when it's next to your property. Four is plenty, and I can appreciate that that's upsetting too, next to a single story building. That's, that's a hard thing to take. And we have a problem in our zoning code, I believe, that we have, you know, uh, our two family zoning, which is small one and two story buildings next to properties that aren't commercial corridors. But in fact, that's the only place that we're permitted to build housing is on these corridors like San Pablo, University, Shattuck. And it's really not enough land to accommodate the demands that we have for our citizenry and for the citizens of the state. So it's, it's, I, I wanna say that we don't have the power to stop this. We can influence it and, and try to where we can, but the stepping is exactly the kind of thing that I would be asking for if it hadn't already been done. So I want, I want you guys to recognize that it isn't through maliciousness or callousness that, that we aren't uh, changing the massing of the building or ask for it to be changed. We're not empowered to do that. Um, the, uh, with that, I'd like to open, I see a lot of hands up. So uh, I'm gonna just start with you, Karen. Um, you're on my uh, far left here and go for it. Yeah, something I'd forgotten to before was, uh, I understand that this has cultural um, implications, but it's not historic landmark. But it's very sad to me that we are losing so much of San Pablo Avenue's kind of historic nature. I think of back east, I used to go from Washington to Richmond with my parents, the old Route 1. And it's very much like I'm sure San Pablo was when it was the main highway. And I don't miss the gas station so much. But, you know, some of like those, the, the smaller buildings, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the differentiation of the buildings. Is there any way that with the frontage on San Pablo Avenue, we can recapture you know, some of those, the, the uh, older architecture of San Pablo Avenue? Is that a, a question for Allison or? Um... Uh, I suppose, I'm new to this. I'm not quite sure who I'm directing it to. Well, I think, I mean, one of, the, one of the things that I don't think Allison mentioned, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, aren't you required to consider several options when you do your analysis? Of the yes, that's process? correct. Well, yeah, in the EIR, we'll study um, potential impacts and then um, as well as uh, mitigation measures. And I can go into more detail if, if that's helpful, um, but we, I don't think I could speak to whether or not the applicant would redesign the art the design of the building well we one of the I, I have a question for you along the lines of what karen just said allison which is one of the suggestions uh that came from the community was that the uh facade at the uh, presumably at the at the ground floor where the pedestrian level where it's now got this i think quite lovely uh you know character We'll beat up from time, but you can see it was nice at the one time. Um, whether some of that rhythm or character uh, should be considered as a memory of what was there before, is that one of the options that in an EIR is capable of being considered or is it too nebulous to be uh, an option? 
Uh, I'm not sure I can speak to that at this time since we haven't begun our analysis of the cultural resources, uh -huh. um, but I do, you know, we will be studying um, the setting, the impacts, mitigation measures, um, and we will evaluate up to three alternatives for the project, and then we'll present those back to the board um, when we have our public hearing on the focus DIR before it's um, being certified. So in terms of our, our advice to you, it wouldn't be to recommend certain uh, options be considered. It would be more like things we need you to look at. Uh, I think we could share those comments if you have them tonight and then consider them in how we refine our scope for the focus DIR. Because um, okay. we do have a cultural resources expert who um, will be helping us prepare that analysis. Well, good. Then I, I would ask that you hear Karen's comments in that in that uh, spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Igor? Does that answer your question, Karen? Or? Yes. To an extent? <laughs> okay. Yes. So yeah, the analysis hasn't been done, but we can take those comments that you have tonight and explore them with our consultant and consider them as we refine our scope. I just hate to lose all that San Pablo used to be. Heard, thank you. Gas stations notwithstanding. Yes, gas stations and auto shops notwithstanding. Yeah. Electric okay. charging stations. Yeah, well, we're getting a new car wash on San Pablo. I just want to point out. Okay, uh, that we approved uh, about a year ago, I think. Uh, Igor, go ahead. Um, well, before I start, I see that it's nine. Do we need a captioner break? Thank you. I can always rely on you. And I am so sorry, captioner. I just lose track of time. Um, so yes, let's uh, let's take a captioner break. We'll come back for more comments from the commission uh, after that. And we'll start with you when we do, Igor. Um, it's nine o'clock. Uh, let's, let, I'd like to get, I think we can wrap this up pretty quickly. Let's come back at 9.10 and see if we can, you know, get done by 9.30. It'd be great for everybody. See you all in 10 minutes.
everybody. Welcome back. Um, is uh, Allison here? Well, I don't know what happened to her. It looks like she, she dropped out. got onto the attendee list. Let me move her back. Okay. Right. Good. A little bit of a delay. There she is. Important. Okay, so. Sorry, I'm late. Not a, not a problem. We're all here. So um, as I mentioned, this is advisory to both the um, applicant and to Allison. So I would just like to take it in turn if you have any uh, comments. And we'll go around the circle. And, and that way, uh, everyone is heard and we can conclude the meeting. Um, I'm actually going to start, go back to you, Karen, because, uh, you know, you had a question about the uh, treatment along San Pablo that was sort of a, a question for both Allison, I think, and the, the applicant. I want to be sure that any other thoughts or concerns that you have for either Allison or the applicant, you know, that you have the opportunity to, to express those before I move forward to Igor. Well, I think just in general, I have concerns that San Pablo Avenue being a transit corridor and you know a right place for housing, which I, I understand that, will end mm -hmm. up being just a massive wall of six-story uh, buildings. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in both on the east and the west side, where I live, for example, uh -huh. you know, there are single-family homes in some cases that share <laughs> yards with that. And so that's just an overall concern that I have. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, one that for the folks that are in the rear of the buildings, but also just the character of San Pablo itself. I mean, I don't know if there's a way that we can, I mean, uh, it, it, I, there's not a lot of pedestrians on San Pablo now. Uh, you know, if there's just masses of buildings, tall buildings, will that, you know, will that even reduce pedestrian traffic even more? Um, so I just have some concerns that, the local character of San Pablo Avenue will be lost. Mm. Well, thank you for that. I'm not sure that, that that's a lot that, that this particular applicant or that the uh, EIR consultant can do about that, but I appreciate you voicing uh, the concern. And, and I, I share the concern that our corridors are directly next to these low density uh, neighborhoods. I think we need more of a stepped uh, approach to our housing, but that's a matter not for us, but for the planning commission and the council. And so I think that's an issue, you know, that we could go to them. But I also um, think that Pablo Avenue itself is also a local resource. It's, you know, and so to the extent an historical local resource. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we have churches on San Pablo. We have still have some mom stores on San Pablo. And I, I hope that as we look at development of San Pablo, uh, uh, at one point, there was a, supposed to be a San Pablo corridor study right. um, that we don't end up with nothing but large buildings um, making a wall down the street. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Igor, I think you were next. Thank you. Um, 
I will try to keep this brief um, because actually a lot of what I wanted to touch on has already been said. Um, a general comment, um, I think as everyone knows and understands, we are the zoning board, so we can only deal with project level approvals. But um, I, um, for as an individual and someone who lives just off of San Pablo um, in the uh, District 1 Northwest Berkeley area, but uh, the character of San Pablo tends to be similar. Um, I tend to concur with my council member and council member Taplin, um, who both have called as we are going through the housing element process and figuring out where to site 9,000 new units of housing, which we desperately need, making sure that there are siting opportunities all over the city, uh, not to the exclusion, of course, of West Berkeley, but um, everyone should have their fair share of housing available. Um, with that, um, on the um, comment that would be most relevant uh, to Allison, um, I don't have much to add, actually. I, I would agree. I was prepared to have very similar comments, seeing how we might be able to genuflect to the character of that building, whether there it is a preservation of um, some elements that involve uh, either the types of sightings, the type of architecture. I, I think the proposed design is quite nice, I have to say. And it might be difficult to figure out how to make that all, that character that is there now, um, that patina um, fit in with the proposal. But I would like um, for the architect to try I would like for the EIR to study that option. And I know that um, I concur with the chair's comments. This is a skilled architect. I think if anyone can do it, I think uh, this form would be able to incorporate those elements. Um, the types of things that we see often on uh, commercial corridors uh, include in San Pablo being, um, a pretty typical example <clears throat> is that um, the CW zone um, that allows for obviously taller, more uh, denser, more transit oriented development um, abuts um, buildings that are in, in this case, the R1A zone. Um, thankfully, George Florence Park has come to the rescue in, uh, in, a, in a large way here we don't seem to have the types of conflicts that we often see in these situations along the San Pablo corridor. But there are um, some buildings uh, and we have heard from at least one member of the community who uh, actually, actually at least two members of the community who live right there. Um, and I, I definitely, it, it looked like the shadowing may, might have less impact on the solar panels that I saw in aerial views because of the orientation of those solar panels. 
else with respect to uh, the building uh, that's being proposed, but uh, certainly um, I would like to um, look at the shading impact analysis more closely when it comes back to us. Um, um, the To the comment about more EV charging stations, that is uh, near and dear to my heart, of course, uh, as a, an apartment dweller who has to, um, you know, go eight blocks to the nearest public EV charging station and hope that one is available. Um, sadly, what we have right now is basically the upper limits of state policy. Uh, we're trying to change that at the state level. Um, I would love to see more EV-ready um, stations, of course, if that can be possible. I would also love for the applicant to consider, um, just consider if it may be necessary to do 50 uh, parking spots or if it might be possible to do a little less. I can't recall if this is an RPP area. If it is, um, uh, tenants in the building would not qualify. Um, they would not be able to park their cars on the street. Um, with the appropriate uh, transit development, um, sorry, transit demand management or TDM measures, I think we can um, actually become a little less car dependent and a little more dependent on other multimodal uh, opportunities for transit. Also helping make this a more walkable, bikeable uh, neighborhood, a more activated one, uh, which would be great. Um, agree um, on the Kelly's comment on board safe glass. Um, wanted to uplift the comment I heard from one neighbor to see if the orientation of the garage um, could be shifted um, given that uh, it seems like there is another garage being proposed um, on that street, if that, if I understood that comment correctly. Um, and I think that, um, oh, the only other thing, um, and this I don't think I've heard anyone mention yet, um, but we, we've been uh, dealing with this quite a bit um, when there are going to be a lot of, um, well, when increased density means increased uh, packages being delivered um, and where are um, those folks going to park. So I would like to, um, and I'm, I'm sure this will happen, um, but I look forward to seeing our robust traffic uh, engineer analysis about how to manage that uh, in a way that does not impede with flow of traffic on San Pablo does not get including pedestrian traffic um, and, um, you know, makes, uh, does not interfere with uh, the neighbor's um, ability to quietly enjoy uh, their properties as well. Um, so I went longer than I hoped for my apologies, <laughs> but those are my comments. Thank you. Thank you, Igor. <clears throat> um, Joey? Thank you. Uh, I, I will try to keep my comments short as well, but I guess the most rewarding aspect of this space and ZAB is the public discussion. And so I just wanted to say to the public that I enjoy the roasts 
personally, as long as the critiques are sound. So I welcome your critiques and your public discussions that actually contribute to this EIR process. Because to clarify, we are not voting tonight, right? And so we are not making any major decisions, but we want your input and we want the commissioner's input. And so we appreciate that. Um, and as uh, Commissioner Trey Goob and Commissioner Khan have already stated, this committee is system implicated, meaning that we don't get to pick and choose the projects that come to us. Most of them are unfortunately market rate housing. But I just wanted to say from, as a community member, I, I would encourage you to take that energy and meet with like-minded diverse people and organize for more social housing um, or different types of housing in different ways outside of ZAB. ZAB is not the only space to advocate for that. Um, in terms of cultural resources, I'm not surprised Karina Gold has already reached out and I'm, I'm glad to hear that staff has preemptively been thoughtful about uh, indigenous land. And, you know, I guess, I guess the immediate concern that comes to me is I think of 1904th Street and the, the endangerment of uh, West Berkeley shell mounds and ancestral remains. And so to, to consider that preemptively, I think is always the right move and to be in constant discussion with indigenous community members. Uh, I also, when I was asking the questions to the applicant about native plants and EV charging, it actually reminded me of uh, commission, former commissioner Carrie Olson and her detail orientedness in asking these questions. And of course, Kelly, um, you always coming to these meetings and being consistently advocating for this. And so I'm sure the applicant is hearing, is hearing your concerns about how eight out of 31 of the landscaping is, is native plants and we could increase that. Uh, as Igor mentioned, it's by state law, we are limited um, in terms of how much we can increase EV uh, parking spots. But um, I'll personally say as someone who is in her early twenties and I think our generation is also facing this, this unprecedented climate change and just a lot of scary politics out there right now. I think I, I would like to encourage the applicant to, to kind of be more, to challenge themselves, to be more creative and how to be more green, because I think these projects can help set a precedent and how denser buildings can be built in the city of Berkeley and also help achieve our climate goal plans um, by 2030 or whatever year that was. Um, I think this is also a time to, this is also a good time as the public has mentioned about mentioning about concerns about traffic congestion and noise pollution, which also is included in the EIR report. So I guess I would like to ask the applicant when you come back in the future meetings, because I know this is like two out of the five meetings that are coming to ZAP, uh, to think about how you'd like to frame and communicate the community benefits and the impacts to the community in an, in, in, in an accessible way, because sometimes I know the jargon of ZAB can get a little muddled. And so, and I would appreciate that as well. Um, I don't have anything more to add because I feel like I'm being repetitive, but yeah, those are my comments. Not, not repetitive in the slightest, area. <laughs> very well spoken, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Debbie? Thank you. Um, I wanna thank the public who mentioned the noise. Years ago, when we were permitting cell towers, a couple of residents near a proposed cell tower said, they're so noisy, they wake us up at night. And I was planning manager then, and I thought, how can, how can that be? So we explored and found, in fact, 
that the cell towers, when the maintenance gets a little behind schedule, get very noisy, and we then required <coughs> sound walls around them so that they wouldn't affect the neighbors. It was an easy fix. Excuse me. So I encourage, this is for city staff and the applicant, um, to figure out what's going on about sound. And I know that um, they do these tests, and I believe that the, the emergency generators are not required to be sound um, mitigation. But I think with all the buildings that we are putting in now, next to residential buildings, which are mostly little single family homes who aren't built to keep out the sound, we at the city, as well as the applicant, really need to understand how the sound in the building, even for the testing of the generators, if you start having five generators on that block and they get tested once a week, uh, it's a nuisance to the neighbors. Now, I don't think this is where the EIR should go, but I think the applicant and city should really ex begin to explore this option. I didn't completely understand the idea of the sound bouncing up and over the walls, but um, I learned a long time ago that sound engineers are really good at figuring out that stuff. And uh, it may be we need to use different materials in certain places that are more sound absorbent. Um, we've done that before years ago in the planning department where we had a bunch of students gathering next to a, a senior housing building. Um, so <clears throat> it's a serious issue. And um, I don't know if it's on anybody's radar, but I'd like to put it on the radar of the applicant as, as well as city staff, because as we do more and more density, we will find things happening that didn't happen before. And we just need to be sensitive to what those might be and listen carefully when the public says, you know, this is noisy or this is hot or this is cold. Um, because that's how we all learn where there are issues and how we need to change our policies in the city to accommodate what, what we can't change. We can't deny the project, but as a city and as applicants, we need to pay attention to those things as they come along. And, you know, we don't know what they're going to be, but there'll be some for sure. Um, so that's my noise comment. And the only other comment is our street trees. Um, <clears throat> we've talked about articulating the building. One of my concerns is that this width of the sidewalk and the building right on the property line limits the size of the street tree. And as you're thinking about articulation, think about um, spaces for the full uh, leaf area of uh, the street tree, that maybe we can get a larger tree or leaves to have more camping down of the building. So that's it, thank you. Thanks so much, Joey. Um, let's see, we have Shoshana and Michael. Uh, do you guys have any comments you'd like to contribute? Well, uh, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. Um, I just want to uh, reinforce uh, before we close here <clears throat> a couple of things that Joey uh, said and that uh, um, Kelly brought up. Um, I believe that we have requested the applicant uh, at the design review that we came to, that they came to, 
to come to us with a, a more a stronger palette in terms of the natives and, and that they were uh, willing to do that is something that we're looking at at design review on all projects today, that we're looking for not just natives, but, but plants which are uh, friendly to the local insect population, which is in decline. Um, and um, I also, uh, we don't have a bird, bird safe glass ordinance, but I think given the proximity to the park, in the case of this uh, project, that it is reasonable for this board to ask that that be looked at and discussed uh, at the next, when you come back, um, how are you going to address the proximity of the park? These are the birds that will certainly be using that park. Um, and uh, hopefully there's a bird safe class uh, opportunity there that'll help out on that. Um, on the electric, uh, also when you come back, you should be prepared to talk about long-term what happens in 2035 or 2045 or 2050 when the old gas guzzlers are all gone. So I'm curious about that. Um, will this be EV ready? Can it be converted easily? Those kind of questions, I think are increasingly questions that we should be asking as architects on our own projects, but as this committee, uh, you know, of people bringing projects in. Um, that's, uh, oh, I, I uh, Kelly, for what it's worth, I, I don't think that a dark colored building, because it absorbs heat, actually makes things hotter. I think it may make them cooler rather than reflecting the heat out. But I don't like dark gray buildings either. I think they're depressing and I'm all for the happier colors. So I wanna really endorse uh, that comment. Um, where I, I always in design view say to people that come in, this is Berkeley folks. This is the city of tie-dye. Why do we have to have gray and white buildings? Let's have some color, let's have some life. You know, let's make it Berkeley. So uh, 100% with you on that. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe some more articulation of the facade might help with some of the sound issues, Debbie, that you were referring to. I think having a flat facade is gonna be more echoey. And, and that was a legitimate concern brought up by the neighbor. And, and Doey, and finally in closing, I wanna say that Doey's comments to those of you who came here tonight to express your concerns about the project. I hope you didn't get the wrong message from me when I said, gee, there's not much we can do. We can make the comments like we made tonight and, and ask uh, that the uh, applicants step forward and your time brought to us is never forgotten or wasted because there are other venues that we all have access to, to see changes in the city that, that move our city the way we want it to go. So thank you very much for coming tonight. Um, I think that kind of closes it out. Uh, if there's no other uh, comments, um, I want to thank everybody tonight. I thought this was a great meeting. Uh, I think you guys did a wonderful job and I appreciate it. So um, if I have a motion to, uh, need, I do need a motion in a second to um, uh, conclude the meeting. I make a motion to adjourn. Thank you, Karen. You, you see, you know the ropes. <laughs> I was a city clerk. <laughs> <laughs> you better know the ropes. <laughs> okay, do I have a second? 
Second. Okay, thanks, Igor. If, if you didn't say anything, I was just going to make Michael the second. I so, missed oh. who was the second. I'm so My, sorry. Michael is the second. Yeah, Igor, I just nominated Michael as the second. I accept that nomination. I will second that. <laughs> Very good. Okay, Samantha, if you can take a vote. Yes. Um, okay, to adjourn. Board uh, Member Trigu. Take a vote, yes. Uh, Duffy is in absence. Hempel? Yes. Thompson? Yes. O'Keefe, Vice Chair O'Keefe? My kids are supposed to go to bed at nine and I can hear them loud upstairs. So <laughs> yes, I need to deal with that. Yes. Chairperson Khan? Yes. Kim? Yes. And Sanderson? Oh, you're muted. Board Member Sanderson. <clears throat> she made motions of a yes. Yes. It's, it's unanimous and we can adjourn. Thank you for joining us tonight, Karen and Allison. Yeah. It's good to see you again. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you. Thank you to everybody. Thank you all. Tonight. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye.